The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Before we get into the podcast, I want to tell you guys all about Array, which you know that I love. If you follow me on Instagram, I have been such a fan of their products. They have a bloat and a calm supplement, which I love both. So one day when I was feeling especially anxious, I remember that I bought these calm supplements. I went to my drawer, I grabbed one, and I almost instantly felt at ease. And ever since then, I have been obsessed. So they have two supplements, they have bloat and calm, and they found that a lot of their friends were always talking about these issues. And the funny thing is that both anxiety and bloating are a viral loop. Being anxious sends your body into fight or flight mode, causing digestion to slow down. And on the flip side, feeling digestive discomfort causes a lot of our anxiety. Their products are holistically targeted to both issues. The bloat capsules are versatile because they can be taken at any time, whether you've had a plant-based meal or something heavier. It optimizes digestion with the use of five herbs and fruit-based digestive enzymes, and it's completely laxative-free. The bloat capsules were designed to give women food freedom so that you can enjoy the foods that you love without any of that discomfort or gas or bloating afterwards, which always seems to happen if I eat a food that just doesn't agree with me, and this helps so, so much. And yes, it works for men too. Plus, Array's products are super chic, and they look great in your beauty shelf or bag. You guys can get $5 off at Array.com and use the code Mariana at checkout. That's $5 off at A-R-R-A-E.com and use the code Mariana at checkout. Now let's get into the episode. You know those things you are too embarrassed to talk about when it comes to dating? Like when to say I love you, how to define the relationship. Well, We Met at Acme touches upon all of those subjects and more, and we get right into it with our guests and talk about their dating lives and also what not to do when it comes to dating because we're all kind of confused together. So you can tune in every Sunday to We Met at Acme, and maybe you can learn a thing or two while I learn a thing or two. Welcome back to the Life with Mariana podcast. In this episode, I've got Dr. Will Cole. He is a functional medicine practitioner who I have worked with since last year. And I have learned so much from him in our process of working together about my body, what foods are inflammatory for me, what supplements to take and healing my gut. So I had to have him on the podcast to share all of his knowledge with you. Not only is he a functional medicine practitioner, but he's also an author and he's got a brand new book out called Intuitive Fasting. So in this episode, he shares his insights about fasting, intuitive eating, and a healthy keto diet and what supplements to take for women that are common health issues such as hormones, fertility, thyroid, and more. So if you want to hear from him, keep listening. And while I still have you, I would love if you subscribe to my podcast if you're not yet. And if you're loving it, please give me a rating and review because it would mean so much to me. So now let's get into the episode. Okay. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast because not only am I a fan of everything you do, but I'm also a client as well. Well, I mean, my goodness, Mariana, thanks so much for having me. And I'm excited that we're talking. So for people that don't know, what exactly is functional medicine? So functional medicine is, in short, it's it's evidence-based alternative medicine or evidence-based complementary medicine, but it's so much more than that. So a little bit more detailed, we interpret labs using a thinner reference range. So everybody that's listening right now will know when they get their labs ran, they get this their number, and then they get this reference range. Well, that reference range is based on a statistical average of people who go to labs. So that range, that reference range that you're being compared to, it's not standardized largely. And it's based off of people who go to labs and people that are predominantly going to labs, sadly, are people with health problems. So there's a lot of people, especially women around the world 
that know intuitively there's something going on in their health, like whether that's fatigue or weight loss resistance or maybe anxiety, depression, different inflammatory issues, a lot of different autoimmune problems. They go to their doctor, the doctor runs the basic labs and these labs come back quote unquote normal. And they're like, heck, this isn't normal for, for me, but they're told, you know, you're just depressed. Here's an antidepressant. You, you're just getting older. You're a new mom. That's, that's why it is. You're not sleeping well. All these well-intentioned reasons as to why are you going through this despite these quote unquote normal labs. What the doctor is unintentionally telling them is that they're, you're a lot like the other people with health problems that we're comparing you to. So just because something's common doesn't necessarily mean it's normal. And comparing yourself to people that don't feel well as well is no way for you to know what's going on in your body and how can you deal with it so you can feel great. So we're looking at a thinner range in functional medicine within that reference range. So it's this tighter interval of numbers of where does vibrant wellness live? That is a, a, a functional range where your body is functioning the best. That's where we get our term functional medicine. So the second thing is we're running more comprehensive labs. So we're looking, it's based off of a comprehensive health history, but we're looking at things like underlying gut issues or toxicity or chronic infections or hormonal imbalances or nutrient deficiencies or trauma and past trauma and the impact that's having on someone's health today. There's so many components that give rise to why people are struggling with what they're struggling with. So we're getting a thorough perspective. We realize that not everybody is the same. You could have a hundred people with the same diagnosis code, but what works for one person isn't going to work for the next person. Maybe that medication worked great for one person, but it doesn't work for you. Well, why is that? Even with the same looking labs to use maybe thyroid as an example, if you have a low thyroid symptom, there's a lot of different possibilities of what's causing low thyroid symptoms, like maybe hair loss or brittle nails or skin issues or digestive problems or weight gain or low sex drive. Okay. Well, the thyroid may be a little bit off, but why? So we look at a more detailed perspective of the thyroid hormone. And we realize that those symptoms are like check engine lights on a car. We know the check engine lights on, but why we have to look underneath that proverbial hood and know what's actually going on. And there's a lot of different possibilities. There's a lot of different differential possibilities as far as why, why that check engine light is on in the first place. So that's what we do. We, we, it's, it's, we're customizing healthcare to the individual based on labs, based on their health history, and then using their life as a lab as well and seeing how do we implement this in a sustainable way? So we're using food as medicine, we're using natural medicine protocols, we're using medications when needed to really be a thorough support on someone's health journey. And this definitely happened to me because my mom has underactive thyroid and I felt like I had a lot of the symptoms. I kept going to my normal doctor and getting blood work. And then she kept saying, everything's normal, everything's normal. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't feel like it's normal. And after we did our blood work, we found that it was like a little bit underactive. And I was like, I knew it and I felt it. And it was just because of the lab work that they were getting, I was just normal in their range, but I just felt in my body that it wasn't right. And then when we started working together, there were supplements I could take, but then we started actually like healing the gut and then how it really is like a chain reaction of things in your body. When you fix one thing, something else fixes itself. And I'm going to talk more about gut health in a few minutes because I found that that was like the most helpful for me and helping like everything else in my body. Um, but if you feel like you're listening to this and your doctors are telling you there's something 
you're fine, but you really feel like there's not, I definitely encourage you to seek out someone and maybe a functional medicine doctor and get more blood work. And I feel like, you know, your body best. And if you're telling people that something's not right, you, you know, how you feel. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. I think that there is many times it's unintentional, but there in many times it's, it's not unintentional, but there's a systematic delegitimization of women, particularly that they know their bodies, they know something's off, but they're being reduced to just these snapshots in time, just these basic labs and saying, well, that's the totality of what's going on. So if these all add up within this huge reference range, there's nothing wrong. And then it has to be reduced to things like you're just stressed, you're just depressed, here's an antidepressant. It's these non-measurable things that just are given away to basically to try to give someone uh, some relief. But look, anybody that doesn't feel good, is struggling with fatigue or different inflammatory problems, most people are gonna be a little depressed about not feeling well anyway. So yeah, they're depressed. Who wouldn't be depressed when you don't feel great? But why, what's the underlying issue? And even if you look at depression as a separate thing, there's a whole field of research looking at depression and anxiety. It's, it's called the, the cytokine model of cognitive function. Cytokines are pro-inflammatory cells. So it's looking at how inflammation impacts how our brains work. So even with depression and anxiety, it does us no good to say, well, it's just this, but why? Why? We have to ask the question, why? And we can't separate things like mental health and separate it from physical health. Our brain is part of our body. Mental health is physical health. So all of these things that so many people, specifically women, are struggling with, and they're just like patted on the head and just told like, take this pill, see you later. Well, okay, it's one thing if that pill is helping you. There's no shame in that. But what if you do everything you're told to do, you're taking all the things you're supposed to do as far as what your doctor's telling you to do, and you still don't feel good. At that point, you just start doing some due diligence for yourself to to start getting answers. Let's break for a moment to talk about the seasons changing and moving into a new time of year, spring. Something about moving from cooler temperatures to sunnier days brings on a feeling of new beginnings. I love spring in Los Angeles, and here it means enjoying a shift to warmer temperatures and feeling really energized by a new season. It also is the perfect time to shift my wardrobe from cozy layers to spring fabrics, dresses, and floral prints that really remind me of the spring season. And Other Stories is a spring-style destination with collections from three ateliers based in Stockholm, Paris, and Los Angeles. And I've already picked out some pieces to wear as I transition my wardrobe into a new season. There are three different cities that inspire their collections. The Stockholm looks are a minimalist dream, inspired by the city's reawakening after a long winter. The Paris Atelier offers an effortlessly feminine look with romantic prints and silhouettes. The LA collection captures the confidence, glamour, and bright outlook of a California girl just like me. And my personal style is a mix of all three, so their pieces match perfectly with my aesthetic. And Other Stories invites you to discover new wardrobe treasures this spring. Get inspired and create your own signature style at stories.com. And for a limited time only, take 15% off your entire order on stories.com with the code Mariana. That's M-A-R-I-A-N-N-A for 15% off your entire order on stories.com. This offer is valid in the United States only. I can't wait to see how you style your looks this spring. Now let's get back to the episode. You are many things. One of the other things you are is an author and you have a few books and a new one coming out. So what are your past books? And then tell us about the new one that's available now. So my first book is called Ketotarian. It's a mostly plant-based ketogenic way of eating. So 
more practically for people. A lot of keto diets, people know it's, it's a lot of bacon and butter and a lot of even diet drinks and diet foods because it's high fat, low carb. And as I t talk about in ketotarian, just because something's, you know, hashtag keto doesn't necessarily mean that it's healthy. So it's a clean ketogenic way of eating to leverage the benefits of a ketogenic diet, meaning increased brain function, lowered inflammation, uh, improved energy levels, increased fat burning, but in a safe, healthy, sustainable way. And that's what ketotarian is. And then my second book is The Inflammation Spectrum, which is in many ways my clinical practice and just seeing how inflammation exists on a spectrum from mild symptoms like low grade fatigue and maybe some blood sugar problems, weight gain, maybe some mild brain fog on one end, all the way to the other end of the inflammation spectrum, which is the overt autoimmune disease or mental health issue or type two diabetes, and then everything in between. It's born out of my clinical practice and seeing so many different cases and seeing labs and what to do about inflammation. And then uh, my newest book is called Intuitive Fasting, which out of my three book, books, writing it and the words in that book are actually my favorite. I'm really excited for people to read Intuitive Fasting. It is on one level, it's this paradox of how could fasting ever be intuitive, but there's a big conversation in the book about what I'm talking about there. So it's a flexible intermittent fasting plan, but also brings in mindfulness and different tools to grow your intuition. So yeah, I love writing. So it, part of my job with consulting patients, it's educating people. So writing is just the different way that I educate people. Uh, and I really enjoy it. The books are amazing. And if you haven't picked them up yet, I would definitely get them. And starting with Inflammation Spectrum, I think it is so key to so many of us because it's the foods that we eat every day. And I think people don't even realize like the foods that they're eating every day are causing inflammation, which is causing all of these other issues. So what exactly is inflammation and why is preventing it or eating anti-inflammatory foods so important? It's such an important topic. I mean, every food we eat either feeds inflammation or fights it. So people need to realize that there's no, you know, Switzerland meal, there's no benign food that's doing nothing for your physiology. But what is inflammation? Like you said, it is a maybe a more ambiguous, nebulous term of we kind of know it's not good, but what the heck is it? Well, inflammation, it's not actually inherently bad. It's a product of our immune system. So it fights viruses, it fights bacteria in balance. You want healthy, measured, balanced inflammation. But inflammation out of balance, that's what's called chronic inflammation. That's like this forest fire that burns in perpetuity. That's not good. So that is associated with just about everything under the sun. Chronic inflammation is associated with autoimmune conditions, hormonal problems, anxiety, depression, fatigue, blood sugar issues, digestive problems, so many different issues. All are chronic inflammatory or at the very least have inflammatory components to them. So this is something that every meal is another opportunity to either calm and balance inflammation or perpetuate and, and aggravate and exacerbate it. So that's something that I'm really talking about at length, but because I mean, this is the heart of functional medicine is bioindividuality. What works for one person may not work for the next person. So that the book, The Inflammation Spectrum is really a detailed functional medicine guide that's still very accessible for anybody to try it, uh, to find out what your body loves and what your body hates when it comes to foods. Because let's say like, all right, some people do fine with eggs. 
Some people have reactivities and get inflammation from eggs. Some people do fine with nuts and seeds, for example. Some people get reactivities and inflammation from nuts and seeds. Let's say nightshades, or that's a plant group with things like peppers and tomatoes, eggplants, white potatoes. Some people, many people do fine with nightshades. I do fine with nightshades, but some people don't. So this is even these healthy foods, what works for one person may not work for the next person because of different microbiome issues, underlying uh, digestive system issues that could cause inflammation. 75% of our immune system is in our gut. So to deal with inflammation, which is a product of the immune system, we want to look at where the majority, where the predominance of the immune system lives, which is in the gastrointestinal system. So some of those foods that I mentioned, and there are many other ones too, they may work for one person, but the next person, their system just reacts to it. So it doesn't make the food inherently and automatically bad. You don't want to like shame and demonize a certain food group, but you're doing that doesn't work for me. And more specifically, that doesn't work for me at this point in my health journey. So as we improve, as we heal, as, as life goes on, a food that didn't work for you in the past may work fine for you now. So it's about having agency on your health, no matter where you're at. So you know, and have what I refer to as food peace. You don't have any confusion. You don't have any like disillusionment on like, what the heck should I eat? Like, I don't even know. But like by recentering yourself and knowing this food doesn't work for me and this food does, you have freedom to focus on the things that you, that really do work for you. And you'll have the freedom to avoid the things that don't make you feel good. So you don't have any confusion around food. Yeah. Because someone's asked me like, what do you do if you feel constantly bloated, even though you're eating quote unquote healthy? So how do you even find out what foods are inflammatory to you specifically? Well, there's different ways to do it. The way that I put together in the inflammation spectrum is a well-formulated elimination diet approach, which the the book starts off with a quiz and the quiz is adapted from questions that I just asked as patients. So when we had our consult, like I would have asked you very similar questions to kind of understand the context of the case. And that quiz is adapted from that health history consultation that I do. So they can sort of find out more or less where they're at on the inflammation spectrum. So there's a easier track or a simpler track for people that are dealing with some issues, but maybe not so much. And then there's a more advanced track for people that are dealing with more significant inflammatory problems. So there's the core four plan and the eliminate plan. The core four plan are the four foods that are most likely to drive inflammation in most people. So it doesn't mean everybody has problems with these. Again, we're all different. So I want you to, and the reader and whoever's reading the book to find out what their body loves. But these are four foods that are statistically in the research to be more most problematic. So let's see which, if any, are problematic for you. So core four are grains, predominantly gluten-containing grains, but all grains. And that is a protein in wheat and rye and some oats, barley and spelt. And then the second food group would be dairy, mainly conventional dairy. And I have a detailed conversation in the book about different types of dairy. And then uh, the third food group would be more of a, a industrial seed oils or Things like canola oil, vegetable oil, soybean oil, these are higher in omega-6 and they can disrupt the microbiome, the, our gut health and cause inflammation and digestive problems. And then the fourth would be added sugar, which most people know that, but I, it's not just sugar on a label, it's being mindful of reading labels because there's med, many euphemisms that make sugar sound less sugary, but it's still sugar. So mm -hmm. things like agave nectar or 
coconut sugar, coconut nectar. It looks more natural, but it's still sugar nonetheless. So I'm just bringing it to the reader's attention to say, look, this is something that could look healthy, but maybe it's not working for you right now. And then there's a more advanced track, which adds in four more. So it's the core four plus four more or eliminate as it's, as they put it in the book, it's uh, adding in nightshades, which are those peppers, tomatoes, eggplants, white potatoes, that plant group, nuts and seeds, legumes or beans, or, which are legumes, and then uh, eggs. All of those are healthy foods, especially the eliminate addition of four. There's nothing inherently wrong with any of those foods, but what works for one person may not work for the next person. So by avoiding these foods for either four weeks or eight weeks, depending on your plan of either core four or eliminate, you can see what your body loves and hates because it's giving your body a break. It's calming inflammation. It's shifting the gut microbiome. And then I teach how to systematically bring each one in so you know, oh, maybe I did fine with six, six of those, but the, these two don't make me feel good. Or maybe it was the opposite for you. Maybe you're, it's, it's most of these things aren't good for you, but like two are good. Regardless, we're all different. We'll be able to have that knowledge and that feedback to know, okay, I can feel better by avoiding these for a time. And that allows your gut more time to heal. So it's a, it's a thorough elimination diet approach. And there's non-food things that we're talking about in the book too, because it's not just about food. So we're looking at stress and things in our life that bring up stress, like constantly looking at our phone, or we are constantly like filling our, our lives up with like negativity and gossip, this other stuff too. And even dealing with past traumas, it's not just about food. These non-food inflamers too, you could be eating the best food under the sun, but if you're, you know, serving your body a big slice of stress every day or consuming your day with like FOMO inducing content and social media, there's that can raise inflammation levels too. So this isn't to stress anybody out about all this stuff. This is just saying, look, this is information. If you want to find out how to feel better, lean into this information. Let's pause for a second and talk about one of my favorite moments of the day, making a cup of tea. If you look in my kitchen, I have a drawer full of all different flavors depending on what time of day it is or what my mood is because I love a variety of options. And Art of Tea has over 100 tea blends to choose from, including white, green, and herbal to name a few. My favorites are the dessert teas because they are perfect when you have a sweet tooth. So if you're like me, try the dark chocolate peppermint or vanilla berry truffle. You can try their delicious organic teas for 20% off using the code LIFEWITHMARIANA20 at artoftea.com. Art of Tea is an organic tea importer based in Los Angeles, and they are on a mission to impact as many lives as possible through tea by creating a healthy, delicious, and sustainable tea drinking experience. What I love most about their company is they contribute to a more eco-friendly world through their biodegradable tea bags and sustainable packaging. In the morning, I love to start my day with a caffeinated tea like their matcha. You can make it at home with their at-home matcha kit or try white coconut, which is creamy, smooth, and sweet. For the evening after dinner, I love to finish the day with a caffeine-free tea before bed. The chamomile clementine tea is citrus, floral, and light, or try sleep tea with chamomile, spearmint, and valerian. It is a calming, sleepy time tea, and that's just perfect before bed. Brand partners like Art of Tea are how I keep the show up and running, so be sure to check their delicious organic teas for 20% off using the code LIFEWITHMARIANA20 at artoftea.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to the episode. I think it's so important, and I know that it sounds like you're not going to be able to eat a lot of foods, but being someone who has gone through this and continues to eat this way, I feel like I have more food flexibility now. I eat more food every day. 
I feel better and I'm not bloated. But I think before I had this mindset of like, oh, I can't eat carbs. I can't eat bread. I can't eat all these things. And I found that like telling myself I couldn't eat certain things. I never felt full. I was bloated and I, it was just not good for me. And then now eating this way, I love it so much. And I eat so much more food and I don't look at labels as far as like, you know, calories or carbs or nutrition, but I look at labels for ingredients now. Mm -hmm. And as long as the ingredients fit into the things that I know make me feel good, I feel like I'm eating way more now. And I, I know at first it sounds restricting, but it's really not. And I, love the way that I feel. My eyes are clear. My skin is amazing. My scalp is no longer dry. I don't have skin issues on my body that I was having before as far as like sensitive skin on my body. And it really did start with the gut. And so from someone who's gone through this and is going through this with you, it's worth taking the time to do it and figure out what foods really do make you feel good. Because a few times now where I've had things because I started on this journey with you pre-holidays so over the holidays, you know, like food and Thanksgiving and Christmas and people send you all these treats and I would eat something and I would not feel good immediately after. And it, I started to tell myself, okay, like these things don't agree with me and I'm doing all of this work to like feel really good. It's not worth it for this couple minutes to feel really ill for the rest of the day. No, absolutely. That's such a great point. I love hearing that. I'm so proud of you. And I love hearing that those amazing stories of what the body's capable of doing. And to be honest with you, for people that are thinking or hearing about this, when you're talking about healing your gut, anybody that's dealing with inflammatory problems, the gut takes for most people that are with dealing with more inflammatory problems, it could take a year and a half to two years to really get to the place of optimal capacity, optimal vibrant wellness. So I have no doubt that your body has so much more, like you're going to continue to feel better and continue exponentially. So that's amazingly, it, it always impresses me of how resilient somebody's body is and the, the capacity to feel great is astounding to me. And you touched on something that's very, very important. And I hope people caught that is that this isn't about restrict restriction. This is about and, and let me say it in a different way, avoiding foods that make you feel lousy. Is that really restrictive? I mean, there has to be this aha moment. And I think you found it is that it's not about that. It's like, I love feeling great more than I miss a food that made me feel lousy. And that to me, is just self-respect. It's just like, why would I want to eat something that made me feel lousy? But at the same time, if you decide to eat something that you know will make you feel great, there's no shame in that either. Because, because what I've found over the years of, of consulting people is that when you create a firm foundation, when you feel so great as well, there's such a, a, a massive intuition with your body that even if you go and eat something and say, you know what, I'm going to have a little bit of this, you probably won't have as much of it as you used to. You may not feel as good, but you'll bounce back a lot faster. And you can use that as a mindfulness tool of say, was it worth it or not? If it was worth it, then eat it and move on. There's no shame in that. But maybe you'll decide and you'll come to the conclusion that no, this wasn't worth it. And you'll know for next time that hey, I'd rather feel great than I want to trade it for that, that bite or that bowl of something or whatever the case that it is. So this is really about using self-care as a form of self-respect and less about like, you can't have those things. It's not about you can't, we can do anything that we want, but is it serving you or sabotaging you? And that's that, that mind shift and the paradigm shift that I, I want for everybody, because there's a grace and a lightness to that. It's not about being dogmatic or shaming anybody about food or their body. It's just about, we all want to feel great. 
So let's find out ways to feel great. And that's what we're talking about here. And I want to go into your next book now, which is your new book, Intuitive Fasting. And I feel like this is kind of, I mean, I haven't read the book yet, but I'm so excited to get it because I know it will be amazing. But I feel like this is sort of just the way that I eat. So it's kind of what I think, is it somewhat of a mix of like fasting, intermittent fasting and intuitive eating? It is. Yeah. And on one surface of it, like it does look paradoxical. And I think there are some probably people in the intuitive eating movement that could probably be a little bit triggered by that because how could fasting ever be intuitive and you're bringing in disordered eating disguised as a wellness practice. That's the antithesis of what I'm talking about here. This is very flexible and very measured. And what I'm talking about is authentic intuitive eating. And it's for intuitive eating to be more than just a you know, vapid soundbite on social media where people use it as a hashtag, but what's the practical, how do you actually implement this in your life? Because I'm meeting people on an hourly basis around the world, they're struggling with different health issues. So for a small group of people in the world, they could do intuitive eating with no problem. They're not dealing with any health issues. They're not dealing with hormone problems. They're not dealing with blood sugar issues. They're not dealing with inflammation. They're not dealing with digestive problems. So those people, which is not the majority of people, sadly, intuitive eating doesn't really need much guidance because it just comes naturally for them. The majority of the human race today has some level of imbalance going in their body. So at that point, it's really hard to discern between intuition and imbalance because is it intuition or hangriness? Is it intuition or insatiable cravings? Is it stress eating is not intuitive eating. Emotional, hangry cravings is not intuitive eating. So I want us to get to a place of intuitive eating. Let's do it. But let's show up for ourselves and build what's known as metabolic flexibility to actually have proper physiological signaling pathways to have balance in the body. Because metabolic flexibility is fertile ground for authentic intuitive eating because your hormones are more balanced, your inflammation levels are lower, your gut-brain axis, the connection between your gut and brain are working well, your neurotransmitters are working well. You're just centered in your body. So you have a discernment and a knowingness on what your body loves and what your body hates. So yes, the goal is intuitive eating, but by using flexible intermittent fasting and mindfulness, mindful eating at the same time, we are able to build that metabolic flexibility. So what I mean by that, my metabolic flexibility, it's the ability to burn fat and burn sugar for fuel. So your metabolism is flexible, sort of like a yoga class for your metabolism. Most people are stuck in this sugar burning mode. So they're hangry, their blood sugars are all over the place, they're fatigued, they're craving foods. And they, that stuff is clouding, it's proverbial noise, it's clouding their actual intuition from speaking. So this imbalance will mask itself as the, intu- as the intuition. And they're going to crave those foods that will make them feel horrible. Is that really their intuition speaking? If they're craving foods, it actually makes them feel horrible. Your intuition doesn't want to make you, to make, make you feel horrible. So what I'm trying to do through the book is this, it's a four-week flexible fasting plan that starts to stretch and contract the metabolism, just like a yoga class to get flexibility on a metabolic level. So yeah, it's a, it is just knowing you and knowing what you were doing when we first met and knowing what you're doing now, it is very similar to uh, what I'm talking about in the book. 
And if someone is, you know, looking into going into this four-week plan, who is the right person to do it? Or what kind of things are you looking for to change in either your body, your diet, your, your, your overall well-being that you should be the right person for this? Well, if anybody is feeling amazing in how, what they're doing, if they have literally no problems health-wise in their life, if they love the food they're eating, if they feel in control, if they feel at peace with that, if they feel it, if they feel health-wise in their body, they feel great, they have great energy, all that stuff lines up, then I would say it's probably isn't for you. What you're doing is working for you. That's cool. Like just keep doing what you're doing. I would say there's a certain percentage of those people that they could even feel even better because they're getting confused with ubiquity with normalcy just because it's their everyday they think they're okay but they actually could feel better like i was saying earlier with you like the capacity for optimization is so great so even if you feel decently can you enhance how you feel can you take it to the next level i would say yeah most people can but beyond those people anybody struggling with different levels of inflammation anybody struggling with blood sugar problems, hormonal problems, autoimmune issues, different issues like that. Those are my people. Those are the people that I love dealing with these issues and overcoming them. So you can move on with your life and live the life that you were created for. So that's what it's for. It's for most humans that are wanting to take their health to the next level. The protocol in there is so um, modifiable because as you know, I mean, when I'm talking to so many different people, I have to adjust everything based off of their labs, based off of how they're feeling, based off the type of person they are. So I put tons of tailorings and modifications throughout that whole book so people can adjust it accordingly to, again, go with their intuition. As their intuition grows and they get more rooted in their body, they're going to know, okay, I need to do more of this, less of this. And I teach them how to modify these things along the way. So not everybody's doing the same thing. So it really is very much tailored to the reader. And then between intermittent fasting, intuitive eating, keto, anti-inflammatory foods, what really is the best path for someone to go down who either has you know issues with hormones or needs help with fertility? Wow. So if we're talking about hormones and fertility specifically, I would say let's consider pairing all those together. And that's really what I did with intuitive fasting intentionally. So let's bring in anti-inflammatory foods. Let's bring in things that have phytonutrients and polyphenols and aren't disruptive to the gut microbiome and that are very gentle on the system and that are nutrient dense. But let's do a cyclical ketotarian approach, which is a clean keto approach, but not always in ketosis. So you're talking specifically about, about hormones and fertility. I, I think for most people in that category, they do really well with a cyclical ketotarian approach. They're moderating their clean carbs when they want to around their cycle, around a heavy workout or whenever the heck they want to. There is a flexibility there, but it's a nutrient-dense, clean ketogenic diet that's not always in keto. It's flexible, so you're increasing your sweet potatoes and fruits and rice when you want to, but you can then dip back into ketosis, which is more of an anti-inflammatory, gut resetting, brain improving uh, pathway that we're tapping into. We can leverage the benefits of both without falling prey to a one-size-fits-all approach. And then pairing that with some flexible intermittent fasting, you're exponentially getting the benefits of all of them. They're all amplifying each other. So that's really what I wanted to do with intuitive fasting is let's pick the best of all of these worlds, 
that these are all tools in the toolbox that we can all use together to amplify all of their benefits. So I, I think anybody struggling with fertility or hormonal problems, this is a great thing to do because you're, what hormones are we looking at here? We're looking at leptin and insulin. A lot of people struggling with infertility specifically or trouble losing weight, they have leptin resistance and insulin resistance. So their leptin levels are high and their insulin levels are high and that's causing their really difficult to lose weight and their blood sugar is kind of a little bit on a roller coaster. Well, flexible intermittent fasting and clean ketogenic diet that's at least cyclical and periodically there will help to lower insulin and lower leptin to healthy levels. And then because we're doing these vacillating ebbing and flowing fasting windows, you're not doing the same fast all the time, as well as your clean carbohydrate up days where you can, we, I teach how to do it around your period, around ovulation, we can start supporting progesterone, supporting estrogen in a very balanced way. So to me, it's as you do this a couple of cycles, like if someone cycles through this, maybe one over four weeks and then cycles it again, after it's about two times, maybe three times, they're going to really grow in intuition because they're going to feel better. Their hormones are going to be more balanced. They're going to just have a, a knowingness on, okay, I feel really good here. I need to adjust this here to make, to make this work for me a bit more. They're going to get find such a rhythm for themselves that it's going to become second nature. It's going to become intuitive. So that's, that's the goal of why I put all of these things together because they're the raw ingredients to build healthy hormones and a healthy brain. And so much of what I've learned from you is about food and how my food and my gut and everything is related. And when I first came to you, I was like, I was trying to figure out what supplements to take because I had no idea even where to begin. And then you told me I can't supplement my way out of everything, that there are supplements for the things I can't get from food, but supplements are also a part of what I do, what I take every day. But I think people are really confused. Like, how do you even know what you should be taking, what's right for you, or how much of it you should be taking? Mm. Yeah. I mean, there is there's so much. You look at the on Amazon or you look at the supplement aisle at Whole Foods. It's there's so much stuff out there and a lot of great stuff too. I love the ingenuity. I love the industry itself. I mean, before COVID, like walking through Expo West and seeing all the emerging stuff and the ideas out there. I'm a fan of it. And I think uh, the more the merrier, I think, but at the same time, it can be confusing uh, as a consumer on what the heck you should be doing. So some things to look out for. One, you want to make sure it's from a reputable source. So look at different doctors, look at different health experts that are really uh, doing their due diligence and inform and look and vetting this stuff for the consumer. Uh, that's one metric. It's not the only metrics. Number two, educate yourself beyond any experts or any doctors. Read labels yourself and inform yourself. So I have about 11, 12 years worth of free content on drwillcole.com. And I've written so extensively about different supplements because that's a common question that you ask. I mean, people want to know. So I broke it down on like what to look for, what to avoid for all different supplements, whatever you're talking about. So just some good like added fillers or sourcing of different things or just a practical go-to things to, to look out for on labels. Uh, so that's another th thing to think about is educate yourself on the ingredients. And three, you don't necessarily have to take tons of supplements. Now, one, the, the, if someone's going through a chronic health problem or trying to heal their gut or specific therapeutic protocols, like what we're working on in your case, Mariana, what 
you're doing at the beginning isn't what you're going to be taking forever and ever. So the goal is to use food as medicine primarily, and we can take supplements in a very strategic way for a time, but the goal is they become obsolete and you just fall back on food as medicine because we're actually fixing these things. So I would say, A, if someone's going through a chronic health problem, yeah, there may be some more things that you need strategically at the beginning, but they're not forever. And back to your early point, you can't supplement your way out of a poor diet. I want people to really focus on food first. And then because of soil depletion or because we're not getting enough variety of foods in, our food's not what it once was, or maybe we're not getting enough good foods in our diet, then there, it makes sense to supplement in uh, a targeted way, in a foundational way. So there's two different levels of that. There's one just like foundational stuff that probably are gonna be good for most people and I can go over those. And then there's a next level that's like, okay, these are my specific issues and I wanna focus on those. Not everybody needs to be on the same things there. But these foundational things, actually, we released the collection a couple of years ago. It's just a line of foundational supplements on, on the website because we kept getting that, that question. People were like, okay, what I, I want to go and call the clinic up. I want you to get the foundational thing. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to put it on the website because it's just stuff that I think most people can benefit from. And they're very basic and you can get a lots of different sources. You can go to Amazon and get different brands too. There's a lot of good sources out there. Those are vitamin D3 and a K2. So I would recommend for most people to take around a 5,000 IUs of vitamin D3 paired with the K2, which is another fat soluble vitamin. So most people are deficient in that. Uh, it's responsible for over 2000 different genetic pathways. It does a lot of things for regulating inflammation, for helping our hormones. I mean, vitamin D acts like it's almost a pro-hormone. Every cell of your body has a vitamin D receptor site, meaning it needs vitamin D to work. And the thyroid is the only other type of hormone that has that level of importance. So if your thyroid's not working well, if vitamin D is not working well, nothing's gonna be working really great. You're not gonna be feeling optimal. So the brain is rich with vitamin D receptor sites. So anyways, vitamin D, very important. It is a sunshine vitamin. So you can get vitamin D from the sun, but most people aren't outside enough that to get ample amounts or they don't live in like a super sunny climate. Uh, so vitamin D supplementation is good. It's hard to get it from food. Uh, in ample amounts. You can get some of it from fish and like ghee or clarified butter, but not in ample amounts. So that there's that. Uh, methylated B vitamins are another one where getting things like folate and B12, but in their more bioavailable methylated version of it. So it's more usable to your body, basically. Those are two things that most people are deficient in. Most people have some sort of impaired methylation, which is a big biochemical superhighway, but just basically makes your skin healthy, makes your hormones healthy, makes your detox pathways healthy, and it lowers inflammation. So by taking these methylated B vitamins, they help to support methylation. And then I think some sort of anti-inflammatory support makes sense. So like a turmeric with some active curcuminoids. So when people see curcumin or they say turmeric, but like some sort of curcumin turmeric supplement that supports healthy balance inflammation levels. I think those, to be honest, those three or so are like the most core for people. And then they can kind of creep out from there, maybe some liver support occasionally, uh, like something like milk thistle or N-acetylcysteine. Not everybody needs that all the time. And some adaptogens are, aren't a bad idea either. Uh, adaptogens have a regulating effect. So you really don't need a lab to know if you, you know, should experiment or at least try with adaptogens. Adaptogens are a plant group 
that helps to balance our hormones, specifically cortisol, our, our stress hormones. And it can have a helpful effect on thyroid hormone conversion too. So things like ashwagandha and holy basil or tulsi, uh, rhodiola, even medicinal mushrooms can have an adaptogenic quality to them too, like lion's mane or a chaga. These are things that you can get in capsule form. You can also get them in powders. You can get them in teas. They help to regulate stress response. So let's say you're going through a stressful time in your life. Uh, you're stressed at work. You're stressed with the kids. You're not sleeping well. Adaptogens can be a good supportive tool for that. But that's something that you don't necessarily have to take all the time, but it could be in your toolbox whenever you're going through stressful time, even though some people do take them all the time. And that's completely fine as well. The non-habit forming, they're completely fine to take all the time. But I see those as more like situational or period or seasons of your life where you may depend on those more. But those are some things for people to think about. Um, basic stuff, it's not a lot. And then from there, we can look at labs and see what's needed. Like if there's underlying gut issues or you know, it's so on and so forth. And then one thing that you touched on briefly was thyroid. Are there any supplements that people can take for either underactive thyroid or foods they should be adding or subtracting from their diet? Yeah. So in functional medicine, and you know this because you looked at labs, but basically you can't just hang your hat on a TSH and a T4. You have to look at TSH stands for thyroid stimulating hormone and T4 is the largely what your body's producing. It's a tyrosine protein of four iodine molecules. So basically it's T4. It's not very usable for your body, but you need it. And then the body has to convert T4 to T3. It has to activate your thyroid hormone. So it's actually usable. Well, 80% of the conversion of the thyroid hormone and the activation of it happens in the liver and 20% happens in the gut. So you have to have healthy gut function and healthy liver function. So back to that liver support uh, that I mentioned earlier with something like uh, N-acetylcysteine or milk thistle or something with sulforaphane in it or watercress. These are different extracts from plant groups. You can get them in supplement form. It's actually, we have one called the detoxer that does that. But beyond that, that just helps with conversion of thyroid hormones. Some key nutrients to consider, and you can get some of these from foods. You don't necessarily have to get them from supplements. Number one would be selenium. Selenium is used to make the enzyme called 5 prime deiodinase that basically converts T4 to T3. So just think of it as this, like the, the, your body uses selenium to make an enzyme that activates the thyroid hormone. So, okay, if you're selenium deficient, you could have low T3 syndrome. Your body's not activating enough T3 hormones. And you wouldn't know that until you ran a total T3 and a free T3 on a lab, which is why we run it. And we want T3 to be over three on a lab. And we want total T3 above 100, just for people to know. All of these optimal ranges are on drwillcole.com if you want to you know, not write them down really, really quickly right now. So the reality is selenium, super important for activating T3. You can get it from supplements and sometimes it's needed, but you also can get it from foods. So lots of nuts and seeds, especially soaking them makes it more bioavailable. Brazil nuts, you only need like one Brazil nut to get like ample amounts of selenium. So maybe bringing in Brazil nuts, if nuts work for you, you can have that. Uh, organ meats, which not everybody loves them that much, but that has selenium in it too, like liver, grass-fed beef liver, chicken liver. Also, you can get it from shellfish. You can get some selenium as well. And then iodine is another one. When you have T4 or T3, 
these two different types of thyroid hormones. Well, the four and the three are iodine molecules. So your body actually needs iodine to make that thyroid hormone. You have to be judicious with supplementing with iodine. So if you have high thyroid antibodies or Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune thyroid issue or Graves disease, you don't want to be just flippantly giving your body iodine supplementation. You need iodine, but you don't need excess of it. So you have to be the Goldilocks principle, right? Not too high, not too low, but just right. That's like pretty much everything in the body. But iodine is, I actually, for most people, I prefer getting it through foods. So you can consider things like sea vegetables, like dulse and nori and kombu and kelp and arame. These are sea vegetables. You can get flakes and like flake them into your meals or salads or blend them up in smoothies. You can um, like get a nori roll and use it as a wrap. And then wild caught fish and shellfish have some iodine in it as well. So being more of these pescatarian and plant-based foods in help with iodine production, which gives your body good trace amounts of these to support thyroid hormone production. And then of course, focus on healthy fats that we've been talking about. So things like olives and avocados and uh, soak nuts and seeds, if you tolerate those, coconut cream, wild-caught fish, even grass-fed beef, like these clean proteins and healthy fats are really important for thyroid hormone production. And then clean carbohydrates are important too. Uh, I see sometimes people that don't do a cyclical ketogenic diet, if they're just low-carb for so long, that their T3 levels start to go lower. And so for some people, that's fine if it's slightly lower. They still feel fine. They, the benefits way outweigh any negative like drawbacks to it. But they still, I think, bringing in some clean carbohydrates, at least periodically around your cycle, will help produce not support not only just progesterone and estrogen, but also that T3 thyroid hormone. So those are some things to think about. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I feel like this was so informational. And even though I know so much from you already, I definitely learned even more. Um, so if everyone wanted to pick up your book, where can they buy it? Or if they wanted to um, explore your, your clinic? Thanks so much. Yeah. Everything's at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. They can order intuitive fasting. They can, uh, we offer a free webcam or phone health evaluation if people want to get a functional medicine perspective on their case, but everything's on the site. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next.